we are working to expand dignified access to food in underserved communities. So underserved communities have very little access to fresh and healthy produce. And as a school teacher who was working in an underserved community, I felt that it was my job not only to fill the minds of my students, but also to make sure that they were well-fed and had enough to eat. Um, and so that's what started our initiative, um, the Mod Haven Fridge Network. And what started out with literally one fridge on a sidewalk filled with produce available for neighbors in need, um, it sort of worked like a lending library for food. That, that's where we started. Um, and where we are now is where a, a grassroots um, driver network that's been responsible for moving more than 190,000 pounds of fresh fruits and vegetables from the biggest produce market in the world to underserved communities throughout Uptown Manhattan and the Bronx. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Dan Zouderer is the co-founder of Mott Haven Fridge Network. They're a nonprofit in the Bronx fighting food insecurity by redesigning the way that rescued produce moves through undeserved communities. Every Saturday, their volunteer drivers move between six to 11,000 pounds of fresh fruits and vegetables by delivering it to hyper-local hubs in communities that need it. By donating just $1, it rescues and delivers 21 pounds of produce. Dan's story of him following his heart and connecting to his passion, truth, and personal fulfillment will inspire you. All right, everybody, on today's episode, uh, we have Dan uh, Zouderer. He is the co-founder of Mott Haven Fridge Network. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Appreciate you being here, dude. Thank you so much, Justin. Glad to be here. Yes, of course, man. Uh, yes, we're going to have a nice little fun chat today. This is cool, bringing more awareness uh, to the beautiful foundation uh, that Dan has co-founded. Uh, so Dan, if you can just give everybody just a, you know, a brief understanding of what the Mott Haven Fridge Network is. 
Sure. So really big picture is we are working to expand dignified access to food in underserved communities. So underserved communities have very little access to fresh and healthy produce. And as a school teacher who was working in an underserved community, I felt that it was my job not only to fill the minds of my students, but also to make sure that they were well-fed and had enough to eat. Um, and so that's what started our initiative, um, the Mod Haven Fridge Network. And what started out with literally one fridge on a sidewalk filled with produce available for neighbors in need, um, it sort of worked like a lending library for food. That, that's where we started. Um, and where we are now is where a, a grassroots um, driver network that's been responsible for moving more than 190,000 pounds of fresh fruits and vegetables from the biggest produce market in the world to underserved communities throughout uptown Manhattan and the Bronx. So, so that's sort of the biggest over, over the big overview. That's beautiful, man. Helping people, feeding people. Uh, if you could just go back a little bit to, to how it started. So I know you, you were a teacher, you saw the kids, you wanted to help feed them, but like, where did all of this really come from? What's that story like? Yeah. So you know, with the, the, I mean, I can go back to even before the pandemic happened and just kind of being acquainted with, with, um, with the hunger that, that my students and their families were experiencing. So I remember one time, you know, walking, walking down uh, to the subway on, on the way home from school. And I look to my left and I see my student um, and his grandmother is behind him. And he's on his phone like any normal teenager and behind him and his grandmother. And she's literally digging through the, uh, the garbage for trash can. I mean, for, for cans, you know, and, and, and I asked just my, I asked my student the next day, I say, you know, I, I just confront him about it. And just cause I wanted to make sure that, that everything was okay. And, and he said that, that that was normal, that that was something that his grandmother did on a regular basis. And I realized, wow, you know, his grandmother is doing this on a regular basis because the family needs the money to be able to pay for food. Um, and, and that was before, you know, that was before the, the pandemic even happened. Um, I remember speaking with another student. This was when, during the pandemic, speaking with another student and she was telling me that she had accidentally double booked an appointment with a food bank where she was going to get food for her family and with a cardiologist who was going to give uh, care to her daughter who had a chronic um, heart condition. And, and they, they were both booked at the same time. And, and I just thought to myself, wow, you know, that th this is the, the everyday reality of, of, of the families that I'm working with to, to have to make the choice between life-sustaining medical care for your kid or, or, or life-sustaining food for your family. And, and I mean, so that's really what got me interested in and involved in this work is just being acquainted with directly witnessing the, the struggles of my students and their families. Damn. Right. It's like, and, and what an act to, to see these things, have these things affect you and move you so much that you put it into action you know what I mean? And you're really, you're doing something about it. <laughs> right. Cause I mean, I lived in New York city for eight years and damn, you know, I would walk by and see people, you know, struggling on the, on the sidewalk and, you know, I would give them food or give them money, but you're taking it to like a whole nother level. And, um, 
And honestly, it's like it worked out where like you were walking by and you saw your student with his grandmother. Like that moment almost like needed to happen. Right. Right. right and for sure. Right. Yeah. In order for this I, to be sparked. Yeah. I know. And there are just lots of, of moments like that, you know, and, and I think that that's sort of where it starts is, is you see, you see that the problem firsthand. Um, and, and so that's where it starts, but then I think that you need to sort of complement that or supplement that with, with, with some research, you know? So, so you have the idea that there's a problem going on. That was kind of the first step. And then the second step was, well, it seems like students and their families are hungry. So let's get some data to support this. And so that was the next step is making sure that there was data supporting these ideas. And so I, I actually downloaded this app on my phone called Hit 'Em Up. It's like a party planning app. Um, and, and I downloaded the app. Um, and what it does is it just queues up as many phone numbers as you want. And then you just have to click the send button over and over again. And so I downloaded that app and I sent out a survey to our 88 sixth grade families. And I asked them, uh, you know, ever since schools have shut down due to COVID, how have you ever had to cut down on or skip a meal because you didn't have enough money to pay for food? And, and what, percentage, what percentage of families do you think said that they had to cut down or skip a meal because they didn't have enough money to pay for food? 75% of them? So 45% of them said that they were doing that. Wow. And, it, and, and so I asked a follow-up question and, you know, cause I, the, I, the, the one fact was that they were doing it, but then the other question was how often are yeah. you doing this? And so, you know, we asked a follow-up, is this, did this only happen once? Is this happening once a month? Is it happening once a week or is it happening a few times a week? And so what percent, so of, of the 88 families, 25% said that they were cutting down or skipping meals a few times a week because they didn't have enough money to pay for food. And so this suddenly became super personal for me mm -hmm. because I was sitting at home in my high rise apartment, eating a $20 salad, you know, and mm -hmm. on the other end of the screen or the zoom screen, one out of every four kids that meant had families that, that didn't have enough money to put food on the table and they didn't have ways to access food. Um, and that was just, you know, earth shattering to me. So. Yeah. And then, so I know you guys are in the Bronx. How many fridges do you have? And are they strictly in the Bronx or are they outside of that as well? That's a great question. So, so we run, well, we started with one community fridge right outside of, right you know, if you look, if you walk out of our school and you, and you look to the right, you see the fridge. Mm. And then we opened up another community fridge. And, you know, if you walk out of the school and you look to your left, you see the other community fridge. And so that's the way it started. Um, and now we're in the process of opening up three more in the Bronx. Um, but in addition to that, what we've really transformed to into is this is a grassroots driver network. So every single Friday, we pick up between 6,000 and 11,000 pounds of food from the Hunts Point Produce Market, which is the biggest produce market, uh, which is the biggest produce market in the world. Uh, that, the, uh, the Hunts Point Market 
has $2.2 billion of produce sales every year. 20,000 employees work there. They, they supply 30,000 restaurants every year. And yet the Bronx is one of the hungriest boroughs in, 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 in the city. Um, and so we take a truck, we pick up between 6,000 and 11,000 pounds of food every Friday. And then on Saturday, we have volunteers who come in their cars, you know, whether they're college students with a, you know, with a, with a car or their soccer moms or whoever they are, they come down with their cars. We fill up their cars with that produce. And then what they're able to do with their car is there is if we have 20 drivers, then suddenly those drivers can take that produce to between 10 and 20 different stops throughout uptown and head in the Bronx, making sure that we're extending our penetration into underserved areas and also making sure that the food that our drivers take is not going to waste because mm -hmm. what we learned is that oftentimes these huge pantries would get pallets and pallets of food and that food would end up just going to waste because they didn't have the connections with, with, with the people in need. They, they couldn't get what's called, they couldn't get the food the last mile. That's what we call it. It's this last mile logistics challenge. How do you get food to the people who need it the most? And that, and that couldn't be encapsulated better than by this, you know, this, this idea of the Hunts Point market being the biggest produce market in the world, but yet being only miles away from people in dire need. And so that's what we're really trying to solve now is this logistics issue. So yes, we're opening up three more fridges. We run two, and there are also actually 122 fridges or something like that in the tri-state area. And not all run by me. I didn't even invent the idea of community fridges, but what I'm really trying to do is just solve and scale this logistic solution that we're working on involving volunteer drivers. So, yeah. Got it. Okay. So you're not the six to 11,000 pounds of food every Friday is not just going to your few fridges. It's going to any fridges in the area that could use and not just fridges. You know, it, it's not even going to fridges. Um, it, it, it's going to like, we work with two grassroots organizers who literally, you know, they just, they set up tables outside of their, on their sidewalk, actually three that I'm thinking of every Saturday, there are three people who set up a table outside of their sidewalk and Actually, one guy doesn't even set up a table. He does it like on a stone ledge, you know, and he, he, put, he puts the food up over there. And, and these are people that just have grassroots connections mm. with their community members. And so our drivers come with their cars, drop off the food at those locations, and then the, the food is distributed directly into people in need. So whether it's a fridge or not is, is, is not as important as the idea that this food is making it to people that other institutional forms of food access aren't reaching. So that pantries aren't reaching for whatever reason, or that people who don't have access to WIC or to SNAP. And so that those are the, the kinds of people that we're trying to reach it, whether it's through community fridge or through some other kind of outlet is, is less, less important to me as, as long as, you know, we're, we're figuring out a way to get these thousands of pounds of food to people who need it the most. Got it. Cool, man. Like even bigger and uh, broader than I, I thought, which is awesome. <laughs> so you're not just doing it in your fridges. You are literally, Mod Haven Fridge Network is essentially a network of yes. like, right, like little areas, either fridges or tables or just anything. Yeah, I, I like to call them hyper, hyper local food hubs. Is, is, is it, you know? Nice. It, it, yeah, they're yeah. community run. Like th that's the most important thing to me is that, you know, like, like the one that we go to on, on Saturdays or one of the ones that we go to on Saturdays is a woman named Angela Torres. She was just in the Drew Barrymore show actually. And she, um, she was her, her mother, 
um, passed away from COVID and she was devastated by it. And she, you know, was a member of the local church in, in her community. And, and she thought, well, what would happen if I found a way to get food supplied and I set up a table and started distributing food to my local community? And mm-hmm. she started doing it. You know, and, and and now she does that every Saturday and her and her two teenage sons accompany her every Saturday. Her husband comes along sometimes. And my drivers are lucky enough to get to go there every Saturday and meet Angela and hear her story and also get to give food to people that are waiting online to receive it. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah. you guys are you're, you're the organization is more like a food distributor, right? You're the ones figuring out the logistics and getting all this food to all these different places. That, that, yes, that's exactly right. But at the same time, we, we also do help set up community fridges. So, so we have two that we're running now, and then we're also opening up three more. Um, there's one that's opening up in Co-op City, which is the biggest housing project on the planet. Um, there's another one that's opening up on East Tremont Avenue, um, right outside of a church where we currently just distribute food to on Saturdays. And then there's another one um, that we have opening up on Gun Hill Road by uh, by the Jamaica Benevolent Association, which is an organization that advocates for adv- advocates for for uh, Jamaican immigrants in the area. So, so we kind of do both. Is 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 we're, we we're, we set up these hyper local food hubs. Yes. To and we also are figuring out the logistics solution to make sure that these food hubs are filled with food. So I would say that it that, that it's both sides. Um, but the biggest the biggest side of it is yeah is is figuring out that logistics piece but but it doesn't you know if, if the food you, you need places to send the food to as well so and we want to make sure that it's not places that are behind a closed door or a place that would ask you for id or a place right. that requires you to sacrifice dignity to go to we want to make sure that the, the partners that we have are folks that are committed to dignified access to food so, Amazing. Yeah. It's just so it's just so brilliant, right? Because my my first thought, and when you first started talking, I'm like, that's awesome. You guys have a few fridges, you're gonna open up more, but you're just taking it even just further past that, right? Connecting with these other um, people or companies or small organizations or just like literally just random people who are setting yeah. up these areas where they're there to distribute food. And it's just uh, it's just so cool how it all connects. Right. So, so just, yeah. So for an example, like if there's anybody in New York who's listening to this right now, for example, if, if you are committed to helping your community, then all, and, and if you wanted to get a folding table, right. I mean, you, we'd have to talk beforehand. I'm not just going to give a bunch of food to anybody, but you know, you, you could literally sign up to drive, drive to our warehouse with a van on a Saturday We'd fill your car up with fresh produce and you could set up a table on a block somewhere and distribute that food to people in need. So I would say that the biggest thing that we're doing in, in even bigger language than, than dignified access to food is we're democratizing access to food. We're making sure that anybody can be involved in providing food to neighbors in need. Yes, all my New York City buddies listening to this right now, reach out to Dan. We're going to, um, in the uh, description in the episode below, uh, and I'll get to this at the end, Dan, but we'll put the handle uh, for their Instagram, uh, emails, anything, any way that you're going to be able to reach out to Dan or the company, the organization. And if Amazing. you want, yeah, you want to help, please jump on that. Uh, giving is one of the best things that we can do. It just feels so good. I uh, agree. So Dan, and you said that the the market, it's so Hunt Point Market, that's where you're yep. getting your food from? 
That's right. Yeah, which is literally the biggest produce market on the planet. Amazing. So, but it's in the hungriest borough in the brush, which shows that it's not the food. It's not that the food doesn't exist. It's right. that the logistics don't exist to get food from point A to point B. And, yep. and, and when they do, they're still not able – like, for example, yes, there are great organizations like City Harvest and Food Bank, right, who, who come in their trucks and pick up thousands of pounds of food, like we do from the Hunts Point Market. But what they do is they're using their truck drivers to bring that food to select locations – that are already, you know, very vetted and very established. And the problem, though, is that a lot of the times what we discovered is that those pantries ended up with food waste. And, and so because they just got too much of it. So yeah. by using our volunteer drivers instead, not only are we able to really kind of democratize access by getting so many people involved, but we're also able to increase our distribution points, right? Because one truck, how, many, how much money would you have to pay one truck and one driver to make 20 different stops throughout the day and how long would it take versus, you know, between 11 and two, we can have 20 drivers stop by our warehouse to get stocked up with food and send that to 20 different spots all for free with only the cost of one overnight pickup with a truck. So it's just kind of a different model, really trying to expand access and make sure that there's no waste to any of those distribution points that we're, that we stop at. So incredible, man. I had a, Somebody on the podcast, um, episode number 40, his name is Evan Eller, and he's the founder of Sharing Excess. And okay. Huh. It's brilliant. He's such a good dude. And uh, that's what they're doing. They're taking the excess uh, produce from grocery stores, um, uh, from restaurants, and they are going out and they're providing it to communities. They're going out. And, yeah, they're hooking up with like different shelters or different organizations. And it's all of this excess food that would otherwise go to waste. Uh, and I forgot, he threw out some crazy numbers saying, oh, here we go. Wow. So in the U.S., nearly 40% of the food we produce goes yep, to waste. I was going to say, yeah, 40%. Yeah. Insane. He goes, that's approximately yeah. 120 billion pounds of food ending up in landfills each year, which is enough to fill more than 700 NFL stadiums from the ground to the very top with crazy. eaten food. Insane. Right? Yeah, yeah, wild. So, so that's the thing is is that is that you know people like people want to do food drives and things like that, right? They they, they want to collect food, and that's fine, you know, I, because I want people to feel galvanized, and so when people bring in you know pasta or whatever, they they, they feel like they're making a tangible difference. So I'm I'm not opposed to that, but it's also important to realize that this food exists it exists and it's being wasted so mm. instead of going to the supermarket to buy food what you should do instead is you should provide logistic solutions like your friend sharing excess or like the mod haven fridge network you should provide it with either your time to volunteer like your vehicle to help transport the food or help to fund our logistics right because what i can do for three hundred dollars is i can pay for a truck to pick up between 6,000 and 11,000 pounds of food. That's that, that's donated, right? How much would that cost to buy at the supermarket? You can't buy 11,000 pounds of food for 300 bucks. So in other words, instead you should go to our donation page and donate 300 bucks. And that's going to go so much farther than buying 300 bucks worth of food. And that's what people need to start understanding is, is like, 
what what makes the biggest difference? And the answer is is that it's funding logistics because the food exists. Dude, what a paradigm shift right now because I've never, ever, ever thought about it in that way, ever. Hmm. You know, when they have like the, the boxes where you can do food drives and things like that, um, you know, I've done those in the past. I'm getting food. I'm like, I'm here. Why not just like purchase a little bit more for people? But the idea yeah. that the food already exists out there, it's already there just waiting to be used. Right, waiting to be moved. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Right. And instead of wasting that food that's already out there, Right, right. Going to that source, going there, really to the root of the problem, and helping in that way, right? Because it's right. already there. So, and yeah, and, and I think that it's really both, and, yeah. and that's why you know I, I don't want to like poo poo the, the food drives because totally because I, because I feel also that people need to be galvanized. They need to feel like they're a part of the solution. Yeah. So. I feel very strongly about volunteerism and I think that volunteerism is the way that people get a direct connection with good work. So I think that if it's a food, you know, if you, if you don't have a vehicle and like with us, for example, you know, if you don't have a vehicle, then, and if you want to go to a local fridge that we run in Madev and then drop off some, some food that we, that we can't more easily rescue, you know, cause not every food is also as easily rescuable, you know, some foods, we are in shorter supply than others. So I could give you a list of, of foods that, that, that maybe you could buy, you know, that, that we, that we don't rescue mm. as well. So, mm. so I really think it's a combination of both, but just in terms of impact, thinking about, wow, like, you know, if I give Dan and his organization, you know, between 200 to $300, they can, they can fund the, 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 the rescue and delivery of, of between 6,000 and 10,000 pounds of food is just, so, you know, what, what, I mean, what we're, I mean that, so we just did the math on that and $1, every dollar donated and allocated to our volunteer distribution program is 21 pounds of food, every single dollar. Wow. You know? Yeah. It's so like, a great deal at the supermarket, you know, a dollar <laughs> for, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, right? Of course, there's like nothing wrong at all. If you're at, you know, at a grocery store and they're doing a food drive. Yeah, and you're right, going to, right. Yeah, of course, of course. That's a, it's yeah, that's go a, to people in need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's a beautiful thing. But just, Dan, to be brought the awareness that there's another way to do it. You know, it's always good just right. to have the knowledge and the, understa- and the understanding that one way is not wrong, but there's just this other way that can be more impactful. Right. Right, right, exactly, dude. Like, and when you look at it that way too, a dollar for twenty-one pounds of food, it's like you can just help so much more by doing it in that way. That's exactly right. It's yeah, just that is right. two to three hundred, right? Or, yeah. or use your use your use your car, right? So yeah. So every every weekend, you know, we host drivers that, that come to our warehouse. We have two teams going on at the same time on Saturday. So we have a team that's unloading the truck and making piles, right? So let's say that there's 100 boxes of strawberries. First, we need to know how many boxes of strawberries there are. So we, we figure out, oh, there's 100 boxes of strawberries. And then we figure out, oh, there are 17 cars coming. So let's divide 100 by 17 and then figure out how many boxes each cars get. So there's this whole team there at the warehouse taking care of moving boxes around and figuring out setting them up for, for delivery. Mm. And then there's our drivers who come and pick up the food to bring to all these different hubs throughout Uptown Manhattan and Bronx. So, so if you don't have a car, then you can help with packing and sorting, you know, and, and yeah, it's really the, I mean, they, they say in, in, in the philanthropy world that it's the three T's time, 
treasure and talent. And so um, I think that it's the, the time and, and talent that, I mean, that it really just as important as, as the treasure. So any way that, that people can help, they're more than welcome to. But yeah, we want to provide people with as many opportunities as possible. We're really passionate about, you know, getting to groups that wouldn't normally do this work. Like, like this past Saturday, we hosted Blink Gym um, and a bunch of members and staff came out to our warehouse in Halloween costumes and sorted and packed produce with us. You can see that you can see the post on our Instagram page. And so that's like, you know, to, to, like we, we want to empower people to, to come and do this work, even if they wouldn't normally be like, you know, volunteering at a food pantry or something. So. Yeah. And I was going to ask, how, how are you finding all the volunteers that are packing, yeah. that are driving? Yeah. Great question. So there's a, I mean, one is, is by being on, on, you know, speaking with folks like you who have good ideas about how to get in touch with people. Um, and then the other is, is just, so we're a, a almost exclusively, I mean, at this point, we're all volunteer powered. I, I left my teaching job in August to be able to do this work full time, but I still don't um, get paid for it. Um, so at this point, we're all volunteer powered. And so what that means when you're running a volunteer organization, every single volunteer becomes your best friend. So I make sure to schedule calls with all of our volunteers and find out everything that I possibly can about them. Like, do you have kids? If you do, where do they go to school? And is there a PTA that you're a part of? Oh, are you a member of a synagogue or a church? Do they have a social action committee? Are you part of a Girl Scouts troop or a Boy Scouts troop? And when you learn that for every single one of your volunteers, you realize that your volunteers are the best sources of resources that there are. So, you know, we have over 700 volunteers signed up on our platform right now. And that means that, and so every, every one of those 700 volunteers is, is opening you up to how many people, you know? So it's really just kind of that, that mushroom cloud effect, like, like, and so anyway, yeah, it's really just through networking with our volunteers. And I'd say that our sweet spot though, um, believe it or not is, is, is uh is is suburban moms <laughs> right now because they're the ones that have a little bit of spare time on the weekend and they also have big cars so they're the ones that are really helping us move our produce um but really yeah it's just networking with groups and, and i and i'd love to expand beyond the, the suburban i mean i love our suburban moms but i'd love to expand beyond that too so if anybody has other ideas you know just come talk to me. I'd love to hear your ideas. It's just by being open to what people have to say and, and their ideas about how to do this. So, it's so cool, man. Like by, you're getting more volunteers by word of mouth. It's by like one yes, person right. doing it, right? Loving it, feeling the joy that it brings to help people, talking to someone else about it, getting them excited about it. Then they come and do it. They feel how good it is to help and to volunteer and to give. And then they talk to someone else about it. And like, that's like one of the, the best ways I feel like to even grow anything is because you're doing something so good for people and everyone wants a little bit of a piece of that. So right. when you talk about that, expand that to their own individual network and then those right. people talk to more people and it just keeps going more and, and on and on and well, on. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, and, and you tell me, but, but I'm sure that, I mean, you guys are a pretty successful Instagram channel and, and, and I know from my experience with, with social media that, the most effective growth for us on social media and on our own volunteer platform is when people with platforms passionately share about the work that we're doing. It, it's not through paid advertising. I mean, we, we've done, 
no pay. I mean, maybe on Giving Tuesday we ran like one paid ad or something, but but there's no paid advertising. I mean, it, it's all through people organically sharing what they're passionate about, you know. Yeah. And, and and that's what that's what grows Instagram channels. That's what grows volunteers. You know, it, it, it's through people that are passionate. Right. I mean, do you have the same experience? I was gonna like the reason why the page has has grown so much is because it makes people feel good. It brings right. joy and happiness into their life. Like that's it. It brings more love into their life. And like, who doesn't want more of that in their life? It just does. And like an organization like yours, like I featured tons of different organizations that are doing just great work in the world. And when people see that, they understand that there are beautiful people everywhere, that there are so many people doing good in the world, that the news that we see, it's not... You know, the majority that you see in the news, it's bad, it's negative. And it really lets people know that that's not what the world is encompassed by. That there are so many other beautiful people really helping and doing good. And it makes people feel amazing because they know that like, okay, cool, like there's hope there. You know what I mean? It's like, you could know that there's a lot of good people out in the world, but like when you're seeing it, when you're hearing someone like you talk about what you're doing, it just makes it more real for you and for that person who's watching. Right. So just by like sharing just really feel good, loving moments, organizations like yourself, that because again, it goes down to like the core of the person. And I feel like it just it, it boils down to they're seeing the beauty in the world. It's making them feel good. And they just want more connection to that sort of a thing. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And so, you know, when whenever like we learn, I have um I have volunteers share like I'll get on a call with them and I'll say, Oh, are you part of, you know, X Facebook group? Like there are these moms groups in this, in the suburbs. And, and so when, when we get one post on a mom's group, we get like, you know, 15, 20 signups just from that Mm. one post because people are posting pictures of themselves doing the work. And then people see themselves in those pictures, you know, and, and, and they want to do it too. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's just, that organic traction that, that I think that social media facilitates, but totally. I think we need to remember that it's people sharing something that they are passionate about yeah. and that no amount of like, you know, paid advertising is, is going to be able to, to compensate for, for, for a lack of, of, of authenticity in terms of just like somebody who wants to authentically share from the bottom of their heart, what they love you know, something that they yeah. were, that they loved, that they were engaged with. So. so true. And when people see somebody feeling more joy and feeling more happiness, they, you just like innately want to know, like, what is that person doing? Right? Like, wow, they look so happy. Like what's going on? And then when you find out like what they're doing and they're helping an organization and they're volunteering and they're helping people literally gain access to food. I feel like that in itself, man, it's got to just be tremendous in helping you guys because like literally when you see on Facebook, if a mom posts that and like all her friends see the joy that that's bringing her, it's like, oh my God, like, what is she doing? You know, it just, it just initially engages it. And like you said, it's like that person just being passionate about what they're doing. It's not an ad. It's not an actor talking about something. It's just real life people having these awesome experiences because they're giving and that just connects to other people. And then they want to do the same thing. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cool. And then Dan, I want to ask you too about the the food. So the food that you're getting, 
uh, from Hunts Point. Is that the food that they don't like? They can't sell, but it's still beautiful, great food that yes. people are able to eat. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So it's all excess food. That's why we call it rescued food. It's food that would otherwise be sent to a different nonprofit. Um, sometimes, I mean, Hunts Point is pretty good about donating their food, but, but, um, but we wanted to make sure one thing that we wanted to make sure about was that, you know, some, a lot of this food gets sent to, you know, a place like city harvest, which is like a major food rescue organization or food bank for New York city. And they have these big trucks. Like I said, they kind of drive around at different food pantries and that's great, but so much of that ends up, outside of the Bronx and uptown Manhattan. And yet the Hunts Point is again, the biggest produce market in the world and it's in the Bronx. So what we're trying to do is trying to be very intentional about just redistributing back to sites that are in uptown Manhattan and the Bronx predominantly so that the food that's in that market can stay in that market. So that's mm-hmm. another thing that, that we that we care a lot about doing. Got it. And then I guess what 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 is your vision uh, for this? Where do you do you see it going and expanding to? Yeah, well, one is to just really grow our volunteer driver network. Mm. So right now we're a little over seven hundred. We've had great organic growth. You know, I think we started um, actually like keeping track of our volunteers in in January or February, maybe January. So you know, it, it it's been really good organic growth um, for people to sign up that way. Um, and so just, you know, we, we need a, a much bigger volunteer network though, to be able to continue doing this work. Um, and then, you know, ultimately actually one of the visions is right now, everybody comes to our warehouse where they're um, sorting, like where we have our sorting and packing of food going on and where we put that food into their cars. So what we're wondering, about is what if instead of people going to a warehouse, what if we brought a big truck to wherever you wanted it to be? So let's say, you know, your corporate parking lot or your school parking lot. And then we did the sorting and packing right there. And so we kind of had like a, the, the, the Mott Haven fridge bus or something, and the bus could go to these different spots. And then from there, our drivers could flock to those spots. So, so kind of a, a more of a mobile instead of everybody having to go to the Bronx every Saturday, what if we brought the experience to them? We could bring it to your corporation or to your school or to your community. And then you guys could could bring your drivers right there and your drivers could leave from a spot that's already central to where you guys are. So okay. I think that that might be some like an evolution that Got we're it. experimenting with. Um, cool. And a lot that's going to require a lot of money. So, you know, one thing that we're doing is we're doing a really big push for giving Tuesday. Uh, I love the concept of giving Tuesday. So there's, there's Thanksgiving on the 25th and then on the 26th is black Friday where we shop till we drop. And then there's the 27th and the 28th where we do it again. And then on the 29th is cyber Monday, um, where we shop till we drop, but we do it online. So the idea is that on November 30th is right after cyber Monday is giving Tuesday. And on Giving Tuesday, everybody comes together to give to their favorite nonprofit online. They turn the capitalistic impulse around and they give back um, to those who need it most. And so last Giving Tuesday, we raised $30,000. This Giving Tuesday, we're going for $50,000. So that's another really, that's something that's really going to help us facilitate this vision of expanded access to healthy food with dignity and underserved communities. I mean, that, that's, that's the, the message is dignified access to underserved 
Yeah, I mean, to healthy food in underserved communities is, is the core yeah. message. And we need the funds to be able to do it. And we need the volunteers to be able to do it. So, you know, for those who want to help, it's modhavenfridge.com. And you can go on there. You'll be linked right to our Giving Tuesday page. You can even become an ambassador where you can join a team to raise to you'll have your own team page with your own photos and you can, you know, raise money for us. So we're trying out lots of different things to really just galvanize people to, to give on this global day of generosity. So that's really big. That's coming up for us is this giving Tuesday push. Love that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And do you guys, do you see it going outside of the Bronx or is your just tunnel vision in the Bronx? Let's fix, or let's, help the problem as much as we can here before we even think about going outside of it? Uh, well, we already work with Uptown Manhattan. So I would say um, Uptown Manhattan, the Bronx and Southern Westchester, because a lot of our volunteers come from the suburbs and there are communities need there too. And so this way, you know, um, a mom, for example, that, that, that picks up produce can drop off at a site in the Bronx and then bring some to, to a site up in Southern Westchester, which is very close to the Bronx um, where there are still people in need. So that's, I would say uptime and that in the Bronx and Southern Westchester to begin with, but ultimately, no, I mean, we have ambitions for this to be a global movement. Um, so at least national, you know, so, yeah. so we want to be the next feeding America, you know, and, and we, we, we want to be the ones that are, that are really, I mean, Dignified access to food is so important to us and democratizing access to food and getting everybody involved is also really important to us. And we feel like we do it really well. So we're hoping to, yeah, I mean, we, we want to be a household, a household nonprofit name within the next five or 10 years for sure. Yes. Good for you, man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. You got to have those big dreams. You got to really, yes, sir. yeah, they got to be huge, right. In order for you to really achieve those things and believe that you guys can. That is beautiful. And Dan, I'm, I was wondering too, just about you. How was that experience in quitting your job to do this full time? Was it an easy move? Was it something that was terrifying for you? What was that like? It was definitely not easy in the sense that I really grew to love my students and their families. I mean, it was through my experience with them that yeah. the Modern Fridge Network even began. Um, but I also just knew that. It, it's not like a normal nine to five being a teacher where I, where I could just give a two weeks notice and be like, Hey, all right, peace. I'm out. You know, it's just, this is, these are communities that are relying on their teachers to provide their children with education. Mm -hmm. And it really is a lot when a teacher leaves in the middle of the year, it's really a, a disruption and, 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 and it's hard on, on the students, especially from such in areas that, that are riddled with, with, with such problems, you know, to, to be able to give the stability of, of a teacher, I think is so important. And so with the way that fundraising was going, you know, I, I'm not paying myself yet, but the, but the goal is to become sustainable. Um, and I knew that with, with the trajectory of fundraising, it would be pretty likely that I'd have to leave in the middle of the school year. And that's not the kind of teacher that my students and their families deserve. And also I, I was not able to devote the kind of attention to teaching that I would need to devote to be a good teacher and also serve my community with this solution for food insecurity, which is impossible to do both. So, I mean, in some ways it was a hard decision because I wanted to serve my students and their families, but in the other, in the other way, you know, I knew that it was the thing that I had to do because that was the way that I felt I could be most impactful 
to our students and their families, you know, and, and even more impactful to, to just to, to even more students and their families. So, so I guess it was just a question of like, how can I make the most impact and how can I be, be, how can I scale what we're doing in it? How can I scale it forward in a way that's sustainable and impactful? And so in that way, I guess leaving, made, it just made the most sense. Yeah. That's wild, man. It's something I never even thought about before too. As a teacher, when you leave a job to move on, it's like, you're right. It's not just a normal nine to five where it's like, Hey, like buddy employees, like you guys will be cool. You know, you'll get someone else in to replace me. It's no big deal. It's like when you're right, when you're, when you built relationships with like with the kids and their parents and their families and like you are a means of stability in their life. Uh, it's like just a whole nother aspect of, of, of leaving a job. Right. That right. just so much so I just couldn't, yeah. Yeah. No, I just couldn't do that. You know, I just, it just, I wasn't going to be that kind of, I wasn't going to, my, my students and family deserve a teacher who can be there for them and devote all their energy to them. And I knew that I couldn't do that and also do this kind of work. So yeah. I'm just hoping that I can make more of an impact helping to feed the community than I can teaching its children, you know, and, it. and that's just a gamble that I'm taking, but I'm really passionate about the solution and one that I think, you know, deserves to be taken. So, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, right. It, it was a hard decision to make, but like you followed your heart and your soul right. taking you on a path that you just think you can do the most and be the most. Impactful. And that's, and that's always the way, you know, that, that I need to, 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 I mean, I, I'm lucky that I have resources to be able to do that. You know, I'm not mm. going to sit here and pretend like I don't, but, um, it's, it's always, it's always been a reward on the other end when I've followed my passion, you mm. know? So uh, when, when I, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but 10 years ago, maybe I quit my job in, in the startup world, um, to go teach English in Costa Rica. Um, I just wanted to do it. You know, I just, I was feeling burnt out and disillusioned selling, you know, I was doing like life booker. I mean, I was doing like Groupon type deals, like daily deals, you know, and I just wasn't feeling good about what I was doing. And I just wasn't feeling like I was making a difference. And I decided that I was going to go move to Costa Rica and teach English abroad. And, and, you know, what, what I thought was just kind of a break, uh, turned into just, it ignited a fire for, 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 community-focused justice work. And, and ever since, I just haven't looked back ever since. And, 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 but it was that leap of faith of like, I'm going to quit my job and move to Costa Rica, you know, and live in a little, I lived in a, in a house with, with, uh, with, you know, with, with cold showers for, uh, for six months out there and, and in the middle of the jungle teaching, teaching disenfranchised populations how to speak English. And, but if I hadn't made that decision, like I'm going to leave what I know and go do that, then I wouldn't be where I am today. So, so, so as long as it, it, as I, I just need to follow where my heart is taking me or else I just can't live authentically. I got, so, wow. Wow. Beautiful, man. Yeah. yeah thank you for yeah. just sharing that. That's super inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. of course. I, that I just have so much love for you, man, that you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. Those those are tough decisions to make sometimes. But like when you zone into who you are and your heart and your soul, they're really not that hard. They are, but they're not. You know what I mean? It's right, like, exactly, exactly. And just to get really good at listening. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so much so for you, man, for really following your heart and just doing what 
feels right for you in terms of making a difference and making an impact and like helping other people. It's just as like to leave, you know, your startup tech job and be like, you know, I just don't feel fulfilled. Like I'm not really helping people or, or doing, you know, anything or doing something that makes you feel fulfilled. It's just, and, and then to recognize that and to follow your heart and think, okay. And to really, to move to Costa Rica, I mean, Costa Rica is a beautiful place, but just to kind of go, you know what I mean? On your own and just take that leap and like, good for you because you followed your heart in that moment. And now look where it's led you because you just, exactly. kept, yep. Just kept following your heart. kept doing what felt right. We kept doing what right. connected with you. That's awesome. Yep. Man. You know, and I was lucky to be able to do it at a time when I was still young. And I mean, and you know, I, like I didn't have a, uh, I still don't have a wife or kids or any, you know, and so I was able to just go do it. And I'm grateful that I was exposed to that idea at a young, and, and I, that was actually like, it was also through a really, you know, I've been sober for 11 years, you know? So, so there's also just that it was the process of like getting sober and, and meditating and, and, uh, and like learning to listen to what's truly important to me that, that I was able to just like get hooked into to doing this kind of work at a young age. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's so powerful when we can do that, when we can drown out all of the noise and all the crazy shit that goes on in our lives. Mm -hmm. And when we can meditate and bring our attention inward and be like, okay, like, who am I? Literally, like, what is going to make me feel fulfilled? What's going to make me the happiest? What's going to bring the most joy to me in my life? And I feel like a lot of times when we do that, it, it comes back to giving and loving others and being kind and helping and doing all those things because that's who we truly are. So when we can actually slow things down and yeah, just connect to connect to that, it is such a beautiful thing. And you're just such an awesome example of that, man. So I, just, I, I appreciate it. So yeah. I appreciate you and what you're doing. It's awesome. Um, and then Dan, I'm going to, I'll ask you the question I ask uh, every guest on, uh, on the podcast. And so it's beautiful. You've already answered it in like a few different ways, but this is going to be fun. So uh, the goal of my life is to, um, you know, help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be in a place that is more loving and more kind. Um, one that's more empathetic and forgiving of each other. One that's more loving, one that is just more giving uh, and, you know, consciousness that understands more of our oneness and how together we truly are. Uh, so what, um, what do you feel like you're just, you know, doing on a, on a daily basis or, you know, plans in the future uh, to help aid in this shift of consciousness to this place that is just, you know, so much more loving and kind and beautiful. Sure. Well, I like to think of, of what we're doing as democratizing access to food. And so in that, I want to make sure that everybody who wants to be able to help can feel empowered to do so. And so that means, you know, the local residents who use the fridge to feed their family, but who also volunteer to clean the fridge every week. It means the people who live in the housing projects um, right next door to our fridge and use it to feed their families, but also help to distribute food to their fellow community members. It means artists who want to help paint one of our fridges. It, it means you know, when you put a refrigerator on the street that says free food, suddenly you're opening it up to anybody to be involved. And so I think that that's what, what I'm doing on the daily 
is just getting people fired up about all of the possibilities around helping with dignified access to food. Like you can be involved too. And it really, it's not hard. And it's actually a lot of fun to get involved with this kind of work. So, yeah. That was great, man. And I was literally just thinking too, with the story that you were just telling of uh, leaving your job, going to Costa Rica, then you know uh, coming back here, being a teacher, you just living your truth, Dan, and you being the beautiful spirit and soul that you are, that in itself as an inspiration, as a story is going to help shift the consciousness to just a much more beautiful, loving, kind place. Because literally in your story, man, it just, it just shows what is possible and how incredible life can be when we follow who we truly are on the inside. Mm. Right. I just, and the fact too, that you were saying before that, you know, you meditated and uh, you're sober and you just like shut out all the, you know, the noise and, and you just really figured out who you are and what makes you the happiest. Right. Yeah. It's everything. It's like, you know, who, who do I want to be and what actions can I take to make sure that who I want to be and what I'm doing are aligned? Yeah. Yeah. So. And literally you like, I'm just such a big fan of like being the example um, I, I, you know, there's a million infinite different ways that we can help shift the consciousness of the planet. And I feel like in action is just really one of those, like in being the example, right? Cause we could always say, well, you should go do this or go do that. But it's like, when I can look at you, Dan, and like Dan's doing it, that is so inspiring and so moving. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And especially in hearing that story too, it's like, Anyone out there listening right now who may be a little bit lost, who's unhappy in what they're doing, um, who might be unhappy just in their life or their job, it's like, I hope, I hope, I hope that this sort of a conversation can just shake them a little bit and help, yeah. bring, right, help bring them out of that. Because like that person, if you're listening right now and you feel this way, it like breaks my heart a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I have love for everybody. And the fact that someone out there right now isn't living their truth uh, and is unhappy. That's like one of the main reasons of like having these conversations so that we can help people in those moments. Um, Amazing. Right. And help shift them just to a place where they can just be literally just be happier. Uh, and when you're doing what fulfills your soul, it is a whole other way to live. It is just yes. right. It's wild. It is. You are living in a different world than you were before when you weren't doing what you were super passionate about or what you were here to do. So in any way to help people do that, because when someone listens to this, it listens to you and listens to this podcast and the story, like, okay, shit, let me figure this out. I can do this too. Like Dan did it. Dan's crushing it with this. Let me, let me do it as well. Literally. You know what I mean? Like that starts to get them thinking. And then when they, so say they shift and they start doing it and they start doing what they're passionate about and they just feel better every single day. They're on a higher vibration right? They're just feeling better and better and better. So in a day, they're going to be kinder to the person that maybe they wouldn't have been kind to a year ago when they were stuck in that miserable job that they hated and that made them not feel so good, right? And when they lift their own vibration, that energy goes out to other people, hits other people, lifts their vibration and their actions are kinder, they're more loving. And I feel like that is just like a huge way to really shift the consciousness. So just what you're doing and your story is important. Again, it's so inspirational and I appreciate you being here, buddy, and just sharing it with everybody. 
Amazing. Well, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share. And, you know, anybody who's listening, yeah, my story can be an inspiration to somebody else that that would make this whole conversation worthwhile. If that alone is, is what happens, then, then that, you know, I mean, part of what I want to do is just spread the message and, 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 and make people feel empowered and make people be empowered. And, and so, yeah, I mean, if, if you're getting that from this, that that's amazing. And if, if you're listening and you're already in a happy place, then, then come and, and work with us either way come and work with us and think about how you can democratize access to food with us and, and give us drop us a donation join our giving tuesday team you know help us reach our fifty thousand dollar goal and help us reach more families with dignity in who are living in underserved communities and don't have access to food and that i mean so thank you so much for having me on and and uh you know i i can't wait to uh see what what the energy that we're putting out right now uh brings back for us. Yes. <laughs> so good, man. So um, I'm going to ask you in a second uh, just to, you know, give your handle, just like give your handle website again, all stuff where people can access you. But really quickly, I just want to give some love to our buddy, Rena Madani, who- Yes, is- Rena. <laughs> yes. She uh, introduced us. That's why this conversation is happening right now. Uh, for everybody, just a reminder, uh, Rena's episode was number 50. Big number 50. That was a huge milestone and a fun one to hit. Um, and she's a co-founder of Start Lighthouse, which is a nonprofit in the Bronx as well. And it is addressing childhood illiteracy. She is an incredible soul. You can feel the passion and excitement uh, about what she's doing when she chats. Uh, so everybody check out Start Lighthouse as well. Uh, if you want to check out her episode, again, it is number 50. Just again, want to give her just a quick shout out, some love for, uh, for allowing and, and creating this conversation to happen. And then Dan, before we cut out, buddy, if you can let people know just where to find you anywhere, uh, digitally on the sure. internet, that'd be perfect. Sure. So website is modhavenfridge.com, M-O-T-T-H-A-V-E-N-F-R-I-D-G-E.com. Um, our Instagram handle is at modhavenfridge at M O T T H A V E N F R I D G E. And I'm uh, Dan, D A N, at modhavenfridge.com. Um, so you can reach me there too. Um, I would say that, yeah, th- those are the best ways to. You can also find us on Facebook at Modhaven Community Fridge, I think is what the Facebook page is called. Um, but yeah, go to modhavenfridge.com. You can find out all about Giving Tuesday and how to become an ambassador and, and how to, and it'll also link you to our volunteering page. So yes, anybody listening, if you have the smallest teensy bit of an inkling right now to help and join, just follow that. That's like your instinct. That's your gut. That's your soul. Go follow that. Don't doubt. Don't let the ego and fear hop in uh, and distract you and discourage you from reaching out and helping and giving. So please, if this is touching you at all, touching you in any way at all, make that leap. It's going to feel so good. You're going to thank yourself later. Dan, my dude, thank you for being here again. Appreciate you you. so much. Of course. Yes, my pleasure. Nice. Everybody, we love you so much and uh, we'll see you next time.